the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's important that we forgive. If we don't forgive and we don't see what we think is justice against someone who has done us wrong, then what will happen inside of us is a growing bitterness. And bitterness destroys much. So forgiveness prevents bitterness. Now there's a thought to write down and remember, and you'll hear it again in a few minutes on this edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's continuing his study in the book of Matthew, and you can find the entire series on their website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And Pastor Leighton serves as senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. That's Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and again, the website is highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus here is not suggesting that we only pray in private because... There are many examples in Scripture where Jesus and his disciples made public prayers. The point of, the, uh, of this is that the prayers that were made by those who were seeking uh, to be seen by men were done so instead of prayers to God. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. And so Jesus insists that we be reminded that when we come to God, he is more ready to give than we are to pray. We don't have to coax or pester uh, God into answering our prayers. He wants to answer our prayers with things that are good for us. Sometimes we pray for things that he knows are not good for us and he doesn't give it to us. Because he's the all-wise and perfectly loving Father. And then Jesus said, pray like this. Not these exact words, but like this. And so the prayer that he has provided is a model of prayer. It's, a, it's important for us to uh, look, note the order of the petitions. Because the first three have to do with God and his glory. And the second three have to do with us and our needs. And the point of this is that in everything, God comes first. Uh, in our prayers, God comes first. In fact, later in this chapter, Jesus is going to say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he goes on to give us this model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you realize we have the incredible privilege of coming into the presence of creator God as our heavenly Father? And yet, we, in order for us to not become too familiar with this and approach, not approach him with proper reverence and adoration, we're reminded that our Heavenly Father is holy and that he is in heaven in his throne room overseeing everything. 
Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, they're used interchangeably, is a society on earth where God's will is done as perfectly as it is in heaven. That's the goal. And so primarily the meaning of this is we're praying that God's will be done here and now in me and around me and so forth. There's also a secondary meaning to this when we pray your kingdom come, and that is that someday Jesus is coming back to establish an earthly kingdom. And so when we pray this, we're saying, Jesus, come quickly. And as we see things in the world as they're going, more of us are praying all the more ardently, Lord, come quickly. But there's also another uh, application of this, your kingdom come. And that is we pray that because we want more people to come into the kingdom. More people to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Now, the first part of the prayer focuses on God. The second part focuses on our essential needs. And and there's a reference to the present, the past, and the future. Uh, We ask first for bread, which is uh, necessary for life. It's not limited to a loaf of bread. It's, It's talking about everything that we need for life. And so we're bringing our present condition before God in prayer. It then asks for forgiveness. Forgiveness for things we've done in the past. And so it brings our past into our prayers as well. And third is asking for uh, help against temptation, which is in the future. So before God, we bring our present, our past, and our future. Give us this day our daily bread. Note the word daily. Some people think we're only supposed to pray when we come to church on Sunday. Jesus said we're supposed to pray daily. And, and we, live, we learn to live one day at a time knowing that we are to- totally dependent upon God. It is not our employer that provides for us. It is not our government that provides for us. It is God who provides for us. That's why we pray daily that God will provide for us. And then notice that Jesus did not teach us to say, give me my daily bread. He said, give us our daily bread. There is no I, me, my, or myself in this prayer. And what Jesus is modeling for us is that our prayer should never be selfish, that we should always in our prayers be considerate and caring for the welfare and the well-being of others. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The fact is the Bible teaches that We are sinful creatures, and we need forgiveness for our sins. That's why Jesus came to be our Savior and save us from our sin. Notice the word as, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The literal meaning is forgive us our sins in proportion as we forgive those who have sinned against us. This is important. Even In verses 14 and 15, Jesus says in the plainest possible language, That if we forgive others, God will forgive us. But if we do not forgive others, then he will not forgive us. So we must learn to forgive. We must choose to forgive. Now it's important that I clarify that forgiveness does not mean that we need to continuously expose ourselves to toxic people. There are people in this world that are dangerous. They are toxic. We are under no obligation to continuously expose ourselves to such people. We need to forgive them and stay out of their way. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
This does not mean that God tempts his children. What this petition is asking is that God will help us and guide us and protect us so that we don't get out of his will and don't put ourselves in a position where we are tempted. Verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So Jesus repeats that we have to forgive. This is important. This is a command. And unforgiveness is disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Sin blocks our relationship with God. If we fail to forgive, we put a block in our relationship with God. So then what is forgiveness? If we're called to forgive, what is forgiveness? And what forgiveness is, is choosing to release your rights to immediate justice. It's leaving the matter in God's hand, knowing that he is going to work things out. But you know, there are a couple of other forms of unforgiveness that may be a little more subtle. Like when we are impatiently waiting for God to bring justice on that person who did us wrong. That's unforgiveness. Or taking glee when something bad happens to someone who has done us wrong. That's also unforgiveness. It's important that we forgive. If we don't forgive and we don't see what we think is justice against someone who has done us wrong, then what will happen inside of us is a growing bitterness And bitterness destroys much. So forgiveness prevents bitterness. Verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. It says, when you fast. And so there's an expectancy that from time to time, followers of Christ will fast. He doesn't say anything here about the frequency, occasion, or method. What he's concerned about here is the motive behind the fasting. And as with the other acts of righteousness, Jesus doesn't prohibit corporate fasting. Of the uh, more than a dozen references to fasting in the New Testament, roughly half speak of corporate or Christian community uh, fast. In fact, it seems to indicate that that was a common practice in the early church. And as with individual fasts, the community fasts encourage the church to express sorrow for sin, uh, seek community forgiveness, concentrate on, on the work of God, and seek his guidance. Fasting is important for the church and was linked to two of the most significant advances in the gospel in the ancient world following Pentecost. Those examples are found in chapter 10, when Peter brings the gospel to Cornelius, and the church discovers that the gospel is for all. And another is found in Acts chapter 13, where there was prayer and fasting that led to Paul's missionary journeys, where the gospel was spread all across the uh, Roman Empire. You know, psychologists tell us that when there's no food in the stomach, there's greater blood flow to the brain. And you can actually think more clearly when you're not digesting food. But if you go out and grab a burger and fries and a shake, all you want to do is sleep. And so for us to have a clear mind, it's good for us to occasionally choose to fast. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now here in these verses, Jesus is not speaking against possessions, but rather an unhealthy preoccupation with them. And he's giving us reasons why we should choose to make it our priority to store up spiritual treasures in heaven rather than material treasures here on earth. He gives us four reasons. And we'll hear all four of those reasons when Pastor Layton comes back with the Tuesday edition of Study Verse by Verse and continues his study in the book of Matthew. If you won't be around for the broadcast at this same time tomorrow, you'll find the entire message on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Our teacher is Pastor Layton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands, and we would certainly appreciate knowing that you listen. You can share that fact with us when you click on the contact link on the homepage of highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. We'll be back with more tomorrow at this same time as we study verse by verse.